Hey guys, good to see you again. My name is John. I'm lead pastor here. Welcome to Cross Creek. If you are watching online, thank you so much for watching and checking things out. Or maybe you, you know, you enjoyed the weather today. That's okay too. Or you worked with the kids. Thanks for working with the kids and thanks for watching online. Hey, uh, really quick, as we are talking tonight, we're starting a new series called The Real Jesus. We'll talk about that in a second. But as we're talking, often. Uh, Cross Creek, we like to be a place where you can ask questions. And often when I'm talking, um, I might raise more questions than I'm going to give answers. And so uh, we want you to be able to have a conversation with us. And that's why uh, in the card, in the seat in front of you, the welcome card on the back, there's a little box that says, so what about? If you have questions about anything I say, maybe, maybe not even anything I say, but just a question comes up about God or Jesus as we're talking tonight, write it on that card and then put it in the box at the info table after the service and uh, we will get back to you hopefully this week with uh, maybe an answer or maybe more like continuing the conversation. And if you're online, you can do the same thing where it says ask a question. You can do that as well. You just scroll down and it'll, it'll be there. So, um, really quick, Easter is coming. We talked about that if you were here for the, the welcome. But uh, Easter, we are celebrating our Easter on April 20th, so Saturday. So your, your Easter Sunday is free to do egg hunts and barbecues or ham. Uh, my family grew up doing pinatas on Easter. Is that a thing for anybody else? Well, as a kid, it was awesome. You should start it in your family. I, I think Jesus said, hey, it's Easter, have a pinata. Okay, so it's, it's somewhere in there. I haven't read it yet. But here's the thing. With Easter coming around this time of year, and maybe you've noticed it. I actually saw one this week. You're, we start seeing a lot of articles, news articles, um, even documentaries or miniseries about Jesus. I saw uh, an article just this week talking about, you know, 10 things that experts have found out about Jesus that shock everyone else. Yeah, you'll be shocked to read this. So like, oh, sweet, I'm talking about Jesus because, you know, it's church and I'm going to be talking about Jesus. So I click it and it's like, did you know Jesus wasn't white? It's like, yes, I know. He was an ancient Jew. He was not white. Good job. Did you know there weren't three wise men? I know. It doesn't say three wise men. Good. But they're like trying to, you know, shock you and awe you. And it's, this time of year, especially in our culture and other cultures, this whole, you know, Jesus becomes a very big subject. Whether you believe he existed, whether you, you know, go to church or not, Jesus is kind of like in the forefront. Like Time Magazine always has Jesus on the cover during this time of year. And like, what do we know about Jesus? How can we know who he is? And that type of thing. And so people get really interested. And in fact, I think they, sh I personally think they should. I think he's a pretty big deal, but I'm not the only one. In fact, historians think Jesus was a pretty big deal. The historian H.G. Wells said this about Jesus. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all history. Think about that. Is there any other figure? You think of Alexander the Great, uh, Caesar Augustus, who more people know about? Or uh, is, there any, is there any name you can think of that, is, that has affected or dominated history more than Jesus Christ? No matter what you believe about him, especially in our culture, you've heard of him in some way. He, so he may be the most dominant figure in history, but that doesn't mean there's agreement about who he was, who he is. And that's why we're doing this series. Who is the real Jesus? Because I think if you, and we, we've done this uh, a few years ago, we went to downtown mall and walked around and we said, hey, 
You know, we're just asking people questions about Jesus. Who do you think Jesus is? You ask 10 people who you think Jesus is, and chances are you're going to get 10 different answers. Everybody has their own opinion about who Jesus is. And you get answers like, you know, he was a good man. He was a good teacher. He was a Jewish rabbi. He was, he was a healer, right? He was, he was an energy force. Uh, he, or, you know, he's the son of God. He's my savior. He's my best friend. You hear all these different answers for who Jesus is. And so I think it's important for us, whether you're a Jesus follower or not, whether you're here live or you're watching online, I think it's important for all of us to look into who is the real Jesus. Because I think if we can discover the real Jesus, who he was, what he taught, what he did, we can discover the real us and real life. We can discover the real Jesus. We can discover the real us. And I think we can discover real life as well. And so in order to find the real Jesus, the one that's been the dominant figure throughout history, I think we need to answer this very important question. Did Jesus actually exist? And if you, you know, you've grown up in the church and you're, you're here, you might think that's, that's a dumb question, right? Of, of course he did. I mean, uh, it's AD, after, year of our Lord, that's why we have the date, because he existed. And Well, you know, it might sound silly, but that's, this is actually something that many people question and many people wrestle with. Was there an historical, real Jesus? And in his book, The Problem of God, Pastor Mark Clark has a great chapter on what we call the Christ myth. And this is a book that we did our last series on. Um, what was our last series called? Oh, so what about? And so we, we're using this book a little bit more in this series, not completely in this series, but we think this book, The Problem of God by Mark Clark, is such a good book. We still have it available for you. If you want to purchase it, uh, it's a suggested donation of $5. You're like, I don't got five bucks. Take a free book. But I would love to get this book that we're talking about in your hands. But in, in this book, he has a chapter called The Christ Myth. And so we'll be using a lot of that information in here. But here's the, here's the Christ Myth. Basic, Jesus Christ never existed. He, he may be a dominant historical figure, but the actual person, like if, was there a real person back in, you know, ancient, in, the, in ancient Israel named Jesus Christ? No, he never existed. He's, you know, the early church got together and created him out of mythologies that predate Christianity. That's the Christ myth. That early, early church leaders said, you know what, we, we want to create a new religion, so let's, let's get all these different pieces of ancient myths and put them into one person. So they, they borrowed Egyptian myths, uh, Greek and Roman myths, even Hindu mythologies that came thousands of years before Jesus. And so they just made up a new religion, trying to fool people. It's a very popular idea if you go ask people who Jesus was. In fact, you know, Christianity... It's a lie. It's, in fact, the greatest story ever sold to the world. Everyone who believes in Jesus, all of you who are here saying, you know what, there's something to this Jesus, I want to visit a church, see what's going on, you've been tricked. It's a great hoax. Anyone who follows or believes the real Jesus, well, sorry, waste of time. So, so proponents of this theory point out how closely the story of Jesus in the Gospels aligns with the stories of the Egyptian god Horus, 
the Greek god Dionysus, the Roman god Mithras, and, and many others. And so these, these stories, these myths have stories of gods dying, coming to earth, dying, rising from the dead, healing people, even having 12 disciples, even being born of virgins. They all share these things. These are, these are mythologies that came before Jesus. And it sounds believable, right? Especially if, if you're talking to somebody, hey, you know, I went to church yesterday. Oh, you can't. Jesus didn't even exist. Like, what? I mean, have you, have you seen the similarities between Horus and Dionysus? And you're like, I've never even heard of Horus and Dionysus. So how do I, how do I even know if this is true or not? And then it, it, sounds, it sounds like it, it could be tree, true. And so we'll look at those similarities in a little bit. But here's something I think we need to, we need to make clear right from the very beginning when we're talking about the Christ myth. Because it, it can sound, you know, like any, it's kind of a conspiracy theory. Any conspiracy theory kind of sounds true until you look into it. And here's the thing. This theory, this Christ myth, is not taken seriously by legitimate scholars. There's no legitimate scholar that's like, oh yeah, Jesus Christ never existed. Every scholar who studied it, who's looked at the history, says, yes, Jesus Christ was a real historical person. So the Christ myth is, it's a fun conspiracy theory, but that's all it is, right? Along the lines of like the, the 9-11 conspiracies, right? Oh, you know, it was an inside job, or I was just reading today, there's, there's or not today, but a few days ago, one of the theories that's out there for 9-11 is that planes actually didn't crash into the Twin Towers. They were missiles, but they had, um, I guess the only, it's like a cloaking device where like, it, it was a hologram that looked like planes that crashed into it. It's like, okay, nice, nice theory, right? Or, you know, you know we didn't really land on the moon, right? There's proof that America never landed on the moon. You, if you look at the shadows, they're, they're not right. That flag doesn't wave the right way, right? How's it just stick? Conspiracy theories, right? They're, they're fun to look at and maybe Google, but in fact, later today, or pause, pause this video, Google, make sure you come back, but pause this video and Google Mithras and Jesus, or Horus, H-O-U-R-S, and Jesus. You'll get some really interesting stuff. I'm like, wow, that's almost believable. It's fun. It's a, it's a fun journey into the creative human mind, but it's just not true. There's no, there's no connection. How do we know there's no connection? Simple historical study actually looking at the facts. So did Jesus exist? Really quick, I'm going to give us three main reasons why we know beyond a shadow of a doubt Jesus Christ was a real historical person. Three proofs for the existence of Jesus. The first one, the actual biblical writings. We have eyewitness accounts of Jesus's life. If you're like, yeah, well, that's the Bible and the Bible is created... Go to our series, So What About? Go to part three, where we talk about the Bible and how you can, you can trust its historical writings. But these biblical writings talking about Jesus are eyewitness accounts. In fact, his best friend, John, wrote an eyewitness account, and here's what he said. He said, that which we have heard from the beginning, which, which, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched. It wasn't an energy force. This we proclaim concerning the word of life, Jesus. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. 
We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. Not what we believe, not what makes us feel good, but what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So we have eyewitnesses saying, this is what we saw. This is what we heard. We are simply just telling you what happened. We, we collected those writings, and they are now in what we call the New Testament. Like, yeah, but you know, those were written by those early church leaders who wanted to start their own religion, right? They're, they're biased. Okay, sure, maybe they're biased. Does that mean they're not true? When I got in my car wreck, I don't know if you heard, I was in a car wreck a few, a few months ago. The, 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 the police officer took my statement. It's in the police report. Is it biased? Yes, because I got hit by another car. Does that make it not true? No, I was there. I saw it. I heard it. I smelled it. There was a car wreck I was in. It wasn't my fault. I promise. So it, just because it's biased doesn't mean it's not true. But I'll give you that, okay? We'll just, we'll, if you want to just cut those out as proof that Jesus existed, that's fine. Here's, here's another proof Jesus actually existed. There are at least 10 first century historians and writings, writers outside of the biblical writings who mention Jesus. So there are other non-Christian writers from that period, from the first century, that actually wrote about Jesus Christ. So maybe you've heard the, the, uh, the theory that, well, you know, there's, no, there's no proof outside the Bible that Jesus existed. That's a lie. There's actually proof outside of the Bible in writing that Jesus was a real person. Non-biblical writers say many of the same things the New Testament writers say about Jesus. That he was a charismatic leader, that he was killed by uh, the Jewish leaders and the Romans, that his disciples claimed he was resurrected from the dead after he was crucified by Pontius Pilate, and they say that his early followers worshipped him as God, which resulted in their torture and death. I just have two examples. So I said there's, there's ten writers. Here's, here's two of them. The first one is Josephus. And he's actually writing about Jesus' brother James being stoned. He's writing about Jewish history. He said, so he assembled, this is talking about the high priest at the time. So he assembled the Sanhedrin of judges and brought before them the brother of Jesus, who was called the Christ, whose name was James, and some others. And when he had formed an accusation against them as breakers of the law, he delivered them to be stoned. Oh, yeah, stay there. Good job. Josephus was not a Christian. He was a Jewish general. He was captured by the Romans, so he kind of made nice with the Romans and started writing histories of the Jewish wars. He's saying, at this time, this guy named James, my mind went blank, this guy named James was stoned. But there were so many James around they had to say, okay, well, which James? Why was, he, why was he so important? Because he was the brother of Jesus that some people called the Christ. Historical proof that there was a Jesus who actually had a brother named James who actually wrote the book of James that we have. Another one, Tacitus. Tacitus, he's writing uh, in 116 about that great fire in Rome, right? That, that legend that Nero played the fiddle while Rome burned. He's writing about this fire. And what happened? It was in July of 64, a historical event. He said, Nero fastened the guilt on a class hated for their abominations, called Christians by the populace. Christus, from whom the name had its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of 
procurator, Pontius Pilate. This guy's not a Christian. In fact, he calls it an abomination, probably thinking about uh, communion and how they, the, the, blood, the, the bread and the wine represent Jesus' body and, and blood, and the Romans kind of took that as gross, right? Which, if you're not familiar with that, it represents it. It is gross. Historical proof that and in 64 AD, way up in Italy, Rome, there was already a sizable number of Christians at this time in Rome. And many of the facts of the Jesus story that we read in the eyewitness gospels were already known to people who were not Christians. Historical proof that Jesus actually existed, that belief in him existed 30 years after his life. So which leads us to to our next proof, the history of the early church itself. The history of the early church is proof that Jesus existed. So despite persecutions from both Romans and, and the Jewish leaders, Christianity grew from a group of 12 disciples to over 33 million people in just 350 years. By 400 AD, 56% of the entire population of the Roman Empire were Christians. How did that happen? How is that even possible? Why were Jesus' followers, even family members, willing to be tortured and die for this belief? See, when you're tortured by Rome and you're killed by Rome, you don't really get power over the masses by creating a fake religion. Right? Your power is kind of gone because Rome has killed you. Right? That's logical, isn't it? So they're not making up this religion to have power over the masses because it's not giving them power. It's giving them torture and death. If it was made up, I think people would have cracked. Right? I've seen law and order. People always crack. Right? If, there's, if there's two bank robbers and they say, hey, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna give you immunity if you testify against this guy, he's like, totally. So, hey, we won't torture your kids if you say Jesus wasn't real. If Jesus wasn't real, I'd be like, he, he wasn't real. Promise. Made, made it all up. But they didn't. They allowed themselves to be tortured and killed for saying Jesus died, he is alive. We've seen it. We heard it. They weren't afraid of what Rome would do to them. And so the rise of the early church is one of those anomalies of history. Historians can't figure out, why did this happen? It doesn't make sense that this, this small band of, of Jews in ancient Palestine changed the entire world in a short matter of time. The fact that the largest religion in the world grew so quickly from a single man and 12 followers, often at the cost of their lives, is astounding. And so that's really just scratching the surface of the proof we have that Jesus actually existed. He's a true historical figure. But what about those myths? Right? What about how, how those myths kind of relate and the, the parallels they have? I mean, that's kind of uncanny. How does that actually happen? So let's go through, through three of the most, most common myths about um, Jesus being just a, a conglomeration of ancient myths. The most popular comparison is the Egyptian god Horus. Really good-looking dude. Got the head of a falcon. Body of an Egyptian god. 
So Horus was one of the oldest, most significant deities in ancient Egypt. He was like the sky god for ancient Egypt. And here are some of the claims about the similarities between Horus and Jesus. Horus was born from a virgin. He was born on December 25th. He had 12 disciples, and he was crucified and rose from the dead. Wow. This is all before the Jesus story. So how, obviously, they, like, the Christians borrowed that idea and, and put it on this Jesus guy, right? Well, again, let's, let's look at the facts, because facts are fun. No Egyptologist accepts this theory. There is no actual person who studies ancient Egypt as a living who says, oh yeah, Horus and Jesus, same dude. None. So here's the thing. Was Horus born of a virgin? No. His mother was Isis, the goddess Isis, and his father was Osiris, the, the Egyptian god Osiris. So here's how, here's how Horus comes about. Osiris is in a fight, and he loses, and his body gets chopped up into pieces and thrown away. Well, Isis, his wife, collects Osiris' body parts. She's a bird, right? That's why he has the head of a bird. And hovers over Osiris' most male body part. And that's how she conceives Horus. Super virgin birth, right? Totally lines up. How about this? Oh, he was born on December 25th. Oh my gosh, that's Jesus' birthday. No, it's not. Jesus was not born on December 25th. Nobody says that. That's just something that uh, Pope Julius I declared in 350 AD to counter the, pagan, the Roman pagan celebration of the god Saturnalia. That's why it's December 25th. Most scholars think Jesus was born around September or October. But Horus was born December 25th. doesn't matter. And he wasn't, by the way. They don't have proof of that either. Yeah, but... Horus had 12 disciples, and Jesus had 12 disciples. What about that? There's no mention of 12 disciples in the Egyptian Book of the Dead or ancient hieroglyphics. In fact, the only mention of followers for Horus, he has four. Four followers. And it's Matthew, Mark, Luke. No! It's a turtle, a bear, a lion, and a tiger. He has more in common with Dorothy than Jesus. So there's really not much comparison. Yeah, but Horus was crucified. Nope. Most stories of Horus don't even have him dying. And the one that does have him dying doesn't have him resurrecting. See, he gets in a fight and he's cut up into pieces. It's kind of something that happened to ancient Egyptian gods. He gets cut up into pieces. His body is thrown into some water and crocodiles fish out his body, his body parts. Super resurrection, right? No. So, I mean, this, this stuff makes for fun internet reading or, you know, oh yeah, there's, there's, I don't have to think about Jesus because it's, it's all a myth. It was made up from horse. No, it wasn't. Right? It's easy to say, but it's, it's just not true. It's not based on any historical fact. Okay, that's cool. Not Egypt, but what about Greece? What about the god Dionysus? Because there's so many similarities there. Dionysus was the god of wine and other fun things for the Greeks. And similarities here that they were between Jesus and Dionysus. They're both divine and human, so God and man. Um, Dionysus was born of a virgin on December 25th. He rose from the dead, and his, he had disciples who followed him as he went around preaching and doing miracles. Well, that's pretty similar, right? So was, was 
Dionysus born of a virgin? Well, here's how Dionysus came about in, in the legends. Zeus tricked and seduced a human princess who conceived Dionysus. That's not a virgin birth. But there's more. Hera, Zeus's wife, tricked Zeus into showing the princess his real form. And when a human saw the real form, they burned up. So Dionysus' mom, pregnant with Dionysus, burns up. So to save the baby, Zeus opens up his thigh and sews the baby into his thigh to save it. And when it's time for the baby to be born, it comes out of his thigh, and he's called the twice-born, or born again. Whoa. That's, that's uncanny. So he's born out of his thigh. Is that a virgin birth? Probably not. Yeah, but Dionysus rose from the dead. Well, this idea that Dionysus rose from the dead either comes from that previous story of like, his mom dying and coming out of the thigh and that type of thing, or a story of the Titans, these huge, giant, godlike people, um, eating everything of Dionysus except his heart that they left on the ground. And then Zeus comes and resurrects uh, Dionysus with his own heart, and he, he, he comes back to life. And so some claim this is a clear parallel of Jesus dying on a cross and rising from the dead. Obviously, they just stole the Dionysus story, right? What about disciples? Right? Dionysus had disciples. Well, stories talk about Dionysus going around doing and teaching people how to make wine, just like Jesus did. He, he did it once. It was a great party. But that wasn't his main goal, was to go around teaching people how to make wine. So these are all very, very big stretches for comparisons. Yeah, but what about the Roman god Mithras? You've all heard of Mithras, right? You haven't, which means you can't be like, well, it was, it's not true. Well, why isn't it true? Because I don't think it is. Well, let's, let's, let's talk about Mithras. Very popular god uh, with the Roman military from the 1st to 4th centuries, A.D. They might have borrowed the idea of Mithras from the Persians as you know, the soldiers went down there and learned all these different religions. They brought it back to the Roman mil- military. And it's called a mystery religion because a lot of writing is not known about Mithras What's known is from ancient reliefs and sculptures. So here's the similarities between Jesus and Mithras. Again, born of a virgin on December 25th, which we've already talked about December, December 25th. Shepherds actually attended his birth. He had 12 disciples, and he was buried in a tomb, and three days later, rose from the dead. Whoa. Well, here's, here's how Mithras came about. My, tell me if this is a virgin birth. He was born fully formed out of a rock with a dagger in one hand and a torch in the other. I don't know about the mating habits of rocks, but I don't think you can call that a virgin birth. There, and here's the thing, in the Mithras story, there actually were shepherds that attended his birth. They're the ones who actually helped him get out of the rock. Okay, so check one for Mithras. There is a shepherd there. But helped him be born out of a rock, Okay. He did not have 12 disciples. In fact, in the Persian version, he has one disciple. In the Roman version, he has two. And there is no record of Mithras dying. But that's not the biggest problem for the Mithras story. The biggest problem is this. The earliest stories of Mithras that we have recorded date at least 100 years after the Gospels. In fact, early church writers, Tertullian and Justin Martyr, write about how the Mithraic cults 
took some of the practices from Christianity, like baptism, communion, and Christian symbols. So they're, they're accusing these people following this Mithras cult of stealing ideas from Christianity, not the other way around. So saying Jesus didn't exist because stories about Mithras' death and resurrection are similar, and here's a spoiler alert, is like saying Jesus didn't exist because, well, in the Harry Potter books, Harry dies, and then he comes back to life. Oh, well, Jesus didn't exist then. They stole it from J.R. Who's? J.K. Rowling. Thank you. I can't believe you're in a church and you know that name. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Do you, see, do you see what I'm talking about, though? So are there parallels in these myths and the story of Jesus? Maybe a few. But you really have to stretch it to be like, oh, my gosh, they, they stole it. No. Besides, think about this. If there are parallels... Does that mean Jesus didn't exist? In fact, if the story of Jesus is true, then there should be similar myths that predate him. What? I'll say it again. If the story of Jesus is true, there should be myths that are similar to his story that predate him. Why can I say that? Here's the thing. If there is a God, and I'll I'll give you that right now. If there is a God who made everything, and from the very beginning planned on coming to earth as the Savior of the world, and that's his main story for the storyline of creation, he would have prepared people, he would have prepared cultures to understand and anticipate him coming. It would have been built in. So like, oh, I get it now. He would have prepared our hearts to respond to this story because we had already been hearing these types of stories. In fact, in Colossians, Paul talks about this, this idea. He's talking mostly about Jewish traditions, but I think this can apply to all of it. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come kind of showing you, okay, this is kind of what it's going to be like. A shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Saying all those religious festivals, all those celebrations, all those symbols, all those myths were a shadow, an anticipation of the real Jesus. See, these myths prepared people to understand the truth of Jesus when it actually happened. They could go, the, the disciples could go to Rome and say, you see, this, you see this pillar to an unknown God? Let me tell you who that unknown God really is. They could use their myths to say, hey, God's been preparing you to understand this reality. In fact, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, the guy who wrote Lord of the Rings, he explained this idea to a friend. The idea that um, how the Christ story has been woven into the fabric of stories we have been telling each other for centuries. He said, our myths might be misguided. Right? They might not be truth. They might be misguided, but they steer, however shakily, towards the true harbor. And he was, he was talking to his friend C.S. Lewis. Right? And after thinking through this idea, C.S. Lewis, who you know, spent his life studying ancient myths, who was an atheist, through looking at these ancient myths and what Tolkien had told him, decided to become 
a Christian. And he wrote this. The old myth of the dying God comes down from the heaven of legend and imagination to the earth of history. It happens at a particular date in a particular place. From Osiris dying, nobody knows when or where, to a historical person crucified under Pontius Pilate, it says. Christ is more than Osiris, not less. We must not be ashamed of the parallels. They ought to be there. It, wouldn't, it would be a stumbling block if they weren't. Those who do not know that this great myth became fact when the virgin conceived are indeed to be pitied. Saying, of course there's a parallel because it was going to happen. The truth was actually going to happen. Jesus is where myth and reality meet into the true historical fact that God became human, died on a cross, and rose again for his creation. We are drawn to the great stories because God put a longing for the greatest story in our hearts. Those stories do something to us. When you watch a great movie about a great self-sacrificial hero, when you read a book about somebody dying for their friends, that stirs us. That excites us. We want, we want something like that. Why? Because it's wired in us from the beginning that the true story is going to, for, for people before Jesus and has for us, happened. Our hearts point us to the truth of the greatest story ever. So, to reject Christianity because of you know, forced parallels with pagan religions, that's naive. But to ignore the fact that these myths point to truth, I think would be a mistake as well. The myths, in their way, point to the historical fact that there was a man who was God, who saved the world through his death and resurrection. So did Jesus really exist? And whether you're a Jesus follower or not, I think you owe it to yourself to investigate it. Don't just take my word for it. Investigate it. But think about it. Did Jesus really exist? If you're a Jesus follower or not, think about it. If he did exist, and everything he said about himself, which we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks, and everything his followers said about him, if that were true, then the world should and would have been positively impacted by his life. And it has. We can check that box. If he did exist, the lives of, lives of his followers would show a transformation. You meet anybody who says, I, I'm a Jesus follower, and you know, they're not the hypocrite that we talked about a while ago, but they're actually following Jesus, not trying to be perfect, but looking for um, progress in their lives, becoming more and more like Jesus every day. There is transformation. So check there, check that box. And if he exists today... He should be drawing you, you personally, to himself in very personal ways. Can we check that box? So my question to you tonight, as we kind of steer a little bit more towards ourselves, is how has Jesus been making your story part of his great story? How has Jesus been making your personal story that you are going through right now, how has he been making that part of his great story, the greatest Story. What have you seen in your life that could be evidence of his activity in your life? Maybe a close call? I almost got another car wreck on the way here, by the way. I haven't told my wife yet. That was a close call. Maybe a decision that protected you in some way. Maybe coincidences 
can seem more than coincidences. It could be a positive or negative circumstance that made you think differently about God. Or even an unusual thought or even an impression that, you know, there's more going on in my life than meets the eye. What is all this going on? Why do I keep seeing for Salem everywhere? Why, why did, you know, why did this person invite me to church? I haven't even thought about church in forever, but this person called me up and said, hey, do you want to come with me? Or do you want to watch this video? Why is this happening? Why do these God things keep coming up all of a sudden? See, here's the thing. One of Jesus' first followers, Peter, he wrote that God doesn't want anyone to live or die without him, but for everyone to come to know his love now and forever. And Jesus said that no one comes to God unless God draws them to himself. How has God been drawing you personally? And he always wants your relationship to go deeper and deeper. So you're saying, well, God, God drew me and I, I became a Jesus follower, but he's, he hasn't stopped drawing you. He's pursuing you. How has he been pursuing you? How has he been showing you that this greatest story, this myth come true, might actually be for you? Here's, here's what I believe. The real Jesus really existed, and he offers you real life. It's not a myth anymore. The myth came true, and it can change your life, and it's changed my life, and it's changed millions of lives, because it's better than a myth. It's more than a myth. It's the truth that all great myths and great stories point to. So if he really existed, then who was he? What did he teach? What did he do? Who did he say he really was? How does, what does that mean for us and our lives? Those are really good questions. So come back the next three weeks, and we're going to talk about that. And if you're like, you know what, I want to know more, go to the original sources of Jesus. Go to the eyewitness accounts. Read the primary sources for yourself. They're called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they're in the new, what we call the New Testament of the Bible. These are eyewitness people who said, you know what, either I interviewed everybody who was an eyewitness or I myself was an eyewitness, and here's what Jesus said and what Jesus did. Read it for yourself. You don't have to take my word for it. Do, do, do. It's reading rainbow. If you guys, if you guys were there. But Jesus really existed. He really exists. And he is really for you. So much so that he died for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that the story that our hearts are longing for is true. Thank you that the story of, of a God being the hero to his people and coming and being self-sacrificial and dying to save them and rising again is actually a true story that all great stories point to. Thank you for just creating that beauty, that, the beauty in our hearts that we can respond to. Thank you for pursuing us. I pray that you will, you will show us how you are doing that how you are, are, are reaching for us and showing us that you're real, showing us that you care for us, that you love us. Open our eyes and open our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Hope you guys have a great week. Remember, one more For Salem Saturday. And also remember, you can get your, your For Salem gear in the lobby, and you can get your copy of Mark Clark's book, The Problem of God, in the lobby as well. But have a great week, and thank you for being here.